So tonight's Bible reading is Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And it goes like this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. That's the word of the Lord. I hope you guys get the vibe that we have good times at NBC Youth, because that is certainly true. We certainly do have good times. Uh, if you have that Bible open in front of you to Romans 12 verse 2, that is Romans 12 verse 2. Um, you, that'll help you, because we're going to have a look at that verse tonight. Um, so the reason that I'm doing Romans 12, 1 and 2 tonight is because at Youth on Friday, we've just started a new series where we're, we've called the series Transformed Life, where we look at Romans from chapter 12 to chapter 16, and we're talking about the transformed life that God gives us when we uh, put our faith in Jesus. Uh, Romans 1 to 11 talks about what Jesus has done for us, and then Romans 12, um, through to verse, Romans chapter 12 to chapter 16 talks about how our lives should be completely transformed because of what Jesus has done for us. Uh, and that verse really captures it. So that's actually what we're going to talk about as, tonight as well. Um, a quick sorry but not sorry to the NBC youth crew. This is the same talk you heard on Friday night. Uh, <laughs> it's actually 2.0. I've changed a lot of the illustrations because I realized that they weren't that good and I could do better. So um, hopefully it's new enough for everybody that we can all kind of learn something from it. But let me start by praying, and we'll get stuck into God's Word. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that you're um, not silent, you're not absent, you're not distant. You're present, and that you speak clearly to us. So as we come to your Word tonight, help us to hear it, help us to obey it, um, help us to see Jesus more clearly through it. Amen. So you guys have probably noticed lately um, that there has been a lot of people acting very peculiarly, peculiarly all over um, the northern beaches, but then broader than the northern beaches, broader Sydney, uh, and broader than that, all over the country because it is, it is election time. Uh, and people add very strange, act very strange at election time. Um, you know, we have parties that are running um, for, for power, so there's, you know, I'll try not to be partisan, so I'll try to name them all. There are the Liberals, um, or, or the Coalition, as they're sometimes called, the Labour Party, uh, the Greens, and the Independents, who I'm not, not going to name all of them, but there are lots of them. Um, and they're all kind of, do, this is what they do at this time of year, is they make promises about the way that they're going to change things, right? And so we get heaps and heaps of promises about, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to change the way things are. No longer will we have to deal with the status quo. I'm going to make it better. Uh, and that's basically the platform that they all have. They're going to make things change. Uh, I've been around for 28 years. And what I've noticed about these politicians and their promises of change is that they're usually pretty short-lived superficial and skin deep. Uh, put your hand up if you've had a similar experience in your life as well. <laughs> yeah? Okay, so it's not just me. I'm glad that it's not just me. Um, yeah, politicians, they make these promises of change, but usually change in a political sense. It's, it, it, it might, you know, last for a little while, but it's short-lived, it's skin deep, it's superficial. And what I think is actually quite sad about change is that it's often short-lived, skin deep and superficial. 
And it's not just in a political sense, it's actually also change in our experience of life. Uh, the change that we have, even as Christians, we seek to change. We seek to be more like Jesus. We, we, seek to, we want to transform. We want to grow in our faith. Uh, but again, it can feel like it's short-lived, skin-deep, and superficial. So what I want to talk about tonight is how do we have lasting change? How do we actually have change in our life that is so long-lasting that we literally live a transformed life? If you've been a Christian for longer than a day, this is probably something that you've struggled with. You've wanted to see change in your life as you wanted to grow in your faith in Jesus, and maybe you get it for a week or a month or a year or maybe even a decade, Um, but then you slip back into sinful habits. You slip back into your old way of life. What I want to talk about tonight is how can we change? How can we become more like Jesus? Because that's actually what this part of the Bible is talking about. Paul says that you should not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. He's saying that the transformed life is actually possible. It's something that we can attain. So we're going to have a, we're going to have a think about it tonight. How can we actually change and be more like Jesus? Uh, I've got three points that I want to make. View, do, and renew. Okay, they're my three points. View, do, and renew. Uh, the reason that I've chosen those three words is because they're three words that are in our Bible reading. Tom, I'm going to have to ask you to be my slidesman. Um, <laughs> slides are all out of order, so we'll see which, which way we go. Uh, the first thing is that we should view. This is what it says in Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, read along in your Bible if you have it open in front of you. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Okay, so he says the first thing that you need to do to have a changed life is that we need to view God's mercy for us before we can effectively tackle the sin in our lives to see change. He's saying, basically, he's saying, view before you do anything. First, the first thing you have to do is view God's mercies. Um, Romans, this is in Romans 12, as I said before. Romans 12, it might interest you to know, comes after Romans chapter 1 to 11. Uh, It's a complex Bible that we've got there. 12 comes after 11. Um, But what Paul was saying in Romans 1 to 11 is that he's just kind of listed off all of God's mercies for us. Uh, it's, Romans is, is probably the most theological book in the Bible. It's one of the densest books in the Bible. And Paul is going to, like, painful detail to spell out all of these things that God has done for us in Jesus. He gives us all of God's mercies. And then after he gives us all of God's mercies, he says, in view of these, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. So the first thing that we do is that we view what God has already done for us. The first way that you can be transformed in your life is you look at what God has already done for you. Let me, give you, let me just spell it out a bit more slowly, what Jesus has done for us. Um, Romans um, starts by telling us that we are all sinners. Uh, it sounds like a pretty bleak message. But he says every one of us is sinners. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or if you're a Gentile. Every one of us has sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. We are all rebels against God's cause. And that might sound like bad news, but then he gets to chapter 3 and he says, but there's actually good news for sinners. There is is a way to be right with God, even though you're a rebel against him. This is what he says, chapter 3, 
verse 21. This is the, what, this is, people have said that this is the most important paragraph in the whole Bible. Uh, hopefully we can have it on the screen if it's in the slides there. There we go. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God, which means right standing with God, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. He says there's no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Verse 25, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. So back in the Old Testament, there was this way of having your sins dealt with where you would, um, you would kill an animal and that would be your sacrifice who died for your sins. And then God says, Jesus has come along and he has been that sacrifice for you. He was killed and he took your sin on him when he died. And so because of him, we don't have to wear the weight of our sin. We've actually been forgiven. We have a, right, we have a way to be right with God. And then after chapter 3, he lists all of these other mercies that God has given us as well. So he says, chapter 5, we have peace with God. He says in chapter 6, now we can be dead to sin. Chapter 8, he says we're no longer condemned. He says as well that we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And then we can call God Abba, which is a very affectionate way to call God. He is our Father in heaven. He says we are predestined, we are called, we are justified, and we are glorified. And then in chapter 12, Paul says, in view of God's mercies, all of these things that I've just been saying, in view of them, offer your bodies up as living sacrifices. So he's saying that the view is the motivation. Seeing what God has done for us motivates us to live for him. What he's basically saying is that Jesus is our living sacrifice. And in response to your living sacrifice, be a living sacrifice. That's what he's saying. You have a living sacrifice, and so be a living sacrifice. The view is what motivates us. Um, I I don't know what the best view that you've ever seen is. Think about it for a moment. What is the best view you've ever seen in your life? Like the, The time that you were just jaw on the floor, wow, that is utterly amazing. Does anyone want to contribute one? Yeah, Xander? The Blue Mountains. The Blue Mountains? Yeah. Pretty nice, pretty nice, especially at sunrise. It's pretty awesome. Anyone else? Yep. Milford Sound. Milford Sound. Wow, I've seen a painting of it. <laughs> I've never <laughs> been there. <laughs> um, yeah, Jacob. <laughs> the best sight Jacob has ever seen in his life is Krispy Krispy Kreme twelve donuts for twelve dollars. Um, all right. <laughs> All right. For me, um, it was a few years ago, I got to go, this is a bit of a travel flex, so you know what, whatever. Um, I, got to go to, um, I got to go to Nepal, and I got to go hiking in the Annapurna Mountains. Uh, so there are two kind of main mountain sets in Nepal. There's, there's the Everest Mountain set, and there's the Annapurna Mountain set. This is what Annapurna looks like. Um, and I got to hike there for a few days, and there was one day we woke up, and our guide said to us, okay, Today is a hard day. We, we, heard, we woke up and we heard a river running next to us, which meant we're at the bottom of a valley. And he said, now we go from the bottom of the valley to the top of the valley. <laughs> and he was like, it's, it's going to be five hours of a staircase. 
Um, and so we cross over the river, and, and this, is, this is actually the scene that we saw above us when we were going up these stairs. And so we started off one hour, and you're up the stairs, and you're like, this is torture, <laughs> like walking up a staircase for a full hour, and then knowing you have four more hours ahead of you, being like, what am I doing? <laughs> anyway, hour two came by, and all, I'm just like, you know, like, I was, I was dying. Mia was with me. She was dying as well. I'm fitter than her, so she was dying more. Um, <laughs> but the thing that... <laughs> The thing that really rubbed it in, that was terrible, is that, so we were walking between one village and another village, and um, it was at that time in the morning when the kids were headed off to school. They walk three hours every day to get to school. And so we were walking up, and we were just dying. With, we, didn't, we had a backpack. We, didn't, we weren't even carrying our, our packs. And this girl in her school uniform, carrying a mattress on her back. I don't know even, what are you taking a mattress to school for? I don't know. But she was carrying a mattress on her back, and she just powered past us. And I felt so deflated at that moment. I was like, this girl, she was in primary school age, like a nine-year-old. Anyway, I felt so unmotivated. I was like, I was just looking down every step I took. I was like, there can't be more. There can't be more. But then I would look up, and I would look at the mountains ahead of me. And all of a sudden, I was motivated again. Yeah, because I was like, oh, that actually looks amazing. I want to get closer to that. And so I was motivated when I looked at the view. This is exactly what Paul is saying. He's saying, look at what God has done for you. And let those things motivate you towards being a transformed person. He wants you to see that the view is what motivates. The view is what motivates us to be a transformed person. So I wonder what motivates you to live for God. What are the things that motivate you to live for God? Maybe, maybe you're living for God because you're trying to earn His love. Um, often people are doing the right thing in order to get God's mercies because they think that if I do the right things, God will welcome me, He'll accept me. But this is saying, what you're saying then is you're putting the do before the mercy. But really, God puts the mercy first. In Romans, he says that while you were still sinners, Christ died for you. He already loves you. And we respond to that. We don't, we don't work to get God's love. We don't try to transform our own lives in order to get God's love. We're motivated by God's love to live a transformed life. And so if you're trying to earn God's love, please don't do that. You have to have the view before you do the do. The second thing that we might do to, to motivate, the second thing that might motivate us to live for God um, is that we just skip the view completely and we go straight to the do. Um, so I guess some of you are just very practical people, right? You're very, very practical people. You're nuts and bolts. You're not so much interested in the hypothetical what if world. You just want to know what, tell me what to do and tell me how to do it. Right? This is, some of you are just like this. You're very nuts and bolts people. Uh, you're performance oriented. Um, and because of that, you try, you, you, it's not so much that you're trying to earn God's love, but you're just performance-oriented. And so you're like, okay, well, I just need to get to doing things. But there's actually danger in doing that too. Because if, you don't, if you're not motivated by God's love, then the doing that you're doing, isn't this, it's not the kind of thing that God wants. Um. For those people, it's important to remember that you can't just do. God isn't pleased with your doing if it's not motivated by his love for you. He's not pleased by your doing if it's not motivated by his love. It actually might surprise some of you 
that, to hear that God isn't interested in your service. He's not interested in your joyless obedience. He's not interested in your hollow worship. He's just not. Read the Bible. He says this again and again and again. Israel, again and again and again. They would, just, they would go and they would do the hollow worship thing. They would go and make their sacrifices, pray their prayers, but their hearts weren't in it. And God said, I hate it. I, I don't want nothing to do with that. Because God wants your heart. He says in this passage that your, he wants your true and proper worship. He wants you to be motivated by his love for you. This is what the problem was with the older, older brother in the prodigal son story. Remember the older brother? He's off on the, in the field working, 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 working. But God had a problem with him. The father had a problem with him because he wasn't motivated by his love. He was just motivated by a, a, a can-do attitude. God is not about that. So I think this, like, this is especially dangerous, talking to the young people now, it's especially dangerous if you go to a Christian school or if you've grown up in a really, really rooted into a, a very solid Christian family. Because what happens is that you get so used to seeing the Christian life, but you detach it from the motivation. I, I say this as an insider. Like, I grew up in a Christian family, going to a Christian school. And so you can get very used to doing stuff, but it's not motivated by a love for Jesus. And that's really dangerous. It's really dangerous. I've seen too many people walk away from the faith because they've been really good doers who don't actually love Jesus. So I'm going to ask you to do something right now. I just want you to, in your seat, for this moment, I just want you to ask yourself and to pray about it. What is motivating you to live for God? Just take a moment right now in your seat and just think to yourself, what is actually motivating you to live for God? Because you should be motivated by the view. So take a moment and just pray to yourself. Father, please help us to be motivated by your love. Help us to transform our lives in view of your mercies for us. Amen. Okay, second point. Start with view. You have to start there. Don't worry, these points are shorter. Second point, do. So what, what do you do after, view, after you view? Well, the next verse, verse 2, says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. So you start, by not, you, start by the, you start with the view of Jesus, but once you have the view, you should not conform to the pattern of this world. So conform, <laughs> I was told on, on, um, on Friday that apparently people don't really know what that word conform is. So let me take a moment to explain what conform means. Uh, conform is when you act the same way as other people. So like when you put on your uniform and go to school, you're conforming to everyone else because you're wearing the same thing. You all look the same. And what is happening is that the world has a way of making you conform. That's why Paul says, don't conform to the pattern of this world. It's trying to make you fit into its uniform, essentially. That's what the world does. They're trying to make you fit into its mold. Um, every song that you hear, every TV show you watch, every book you read, every person you talk to, Every social media app that you use, it has a mold that it wants you to fit into. It wants you to conform to its mold. So um, this is like Play-Doh, syringes, right? Two different shapes. Um, 
This is what it looks like. And, and the thing about being conformed to the mold is that you can't help it. Everyone is conformed to something. Okay, so like this is the world and it's kind of just like pushing you out in its mold. It's producing you to be like that, right? This is the world's mold. Um, it wants you to love the things that it loves. It wants you to be the things that, that everyone else in the world is being. Uh, it's got a certain way that it wants to pop you out. It wants you to conform you to its mold. Um, but what we're told in Romans is that you're a, if you're a Christian now, you shouldn't be conformed to the world anymore because you've actually got something new to be conformed to. Uh, back in Romans chapter 8, it says, for, God, for those God foreknew, that's Christians, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. So the world wants you to conform to its image, but God wants you to conform to the image of its Son. So here we go. This is the image of its Son, and this is what you should be now. <laughs> like churros. Um, <laughs> it wants you to conform. God wants you to conform to the image of His Son. So this is what we're told to do. We shouldn't conform to the image of the world because we are conforming to the image of God's Son. Now, this is actually really tricky to do, right? Because what's really obvious is that the, the mold that the world wants you to fit into is everywhere. Uh, the natural state of all people is that they're going to be conformed to the image of the world. Um, you're going to start acting like the people around you. You're going to start speaking like them. You'll dress like them. Because the world is easily just all around you. It's saturating you and it's conforming you to its image. So the question you need to ask yourself, well, okay, if the world is going to shape me to its image, how can I shape myself to Jesus' image? What can I do to be shaped to Jesus' image? And that's what this verse is telling us. So it says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So this is the third thing. Three, we, tra- we renew ourselves by being transformed. Sorry, we, we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. So ask yourself this question. Seriously, just ask yourself this question for a second. What fills your mind? What is your mind full of? For many of us, it's worries. For many of us, it's, it's the things that are happening around us. What am I going to do tomorrow? I know it's Sunday night, so you're thinking about, oh, I've got to go home and get ready for work. This service is going too long, blah, 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 blah. There's so many things that you're just like, what is filling my mind right now? But you actually need to think about those things because sometimes your, your, your worries are the things that are conforming you to the pattern of the world. So we need to renew our mind if we're going to become like Jesus. Uh, I have this image in my head. You know, uh, I'm, a, I'm a Mac user, and I've always been a Mac user. But on, on your Mac de- home screen, there's this bin. That's what it used to look like over here. That's what it looks like now. I like the old one more. Um, but it's, it's this bin, and, and you drag your trash into this bin, right? And then at, when, you, when you're, you, know, you, you get around to it, you click on it, and it says, Empty Trash. And you click on empty trash, and it makes that sound like ding, ding, or something like that. Um, terrible impersonation. I thought about plugging my computer in just to show you what the sound is like, but then I thought, no, that's too much effort. Um, but then, you know, then the bin looks like that. And I think, honestly, like if we're going to renew our minds, we actually need to do that with our minds. We fill our minds with so much trash. To renew your minds actually means to just press the empty trash button to get rid of some of the rubbish that fills your mind. You just need to get rid of it if you're going to renew your mind. Um, When we were at Kick, we heard a talk by a dude called Ed Springer. Um, Ed Springer 
did a lot of really good talks, but it, there's something that he talked about that really struck me. He said, like, if you want to grow in your um, abiding in Jesus, if you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus, there's two really simple things that you need to do. Firstly, you need to pay attention to what stirs your affections for Jesus. And he says things like talking to God in the morning, hanging out with certain friends, hearing people share their testimonies, going to church, uh, listening to Christian music when you're in the car, wh- whatever it happens to be. Pay attention to the things that are stirring your affections for Jesus. But then also pay attention to what robs you of your affections for Jesus. So this might be the sorts of shows that you watch on Netflix, laughing at the things that Jesus hates. Uh, it could be the certain people that you hang out with, maybe a Christian boyfriend or a Christian, sorry, a non-Christian boyfriend or a non-Christian girlfriend. Um, Pay attention to what those things are. And it's a very simple formula that he gives us. He says, pay attention to what those things are, do more of the first one, and do less of the second one. It's not rocket science. This is the thing about, no, this is the thing about growing and being transformed as a person. I think we mostly know what to do. The problem is actually doing it. The struggle is getting rid of the things that are bad for us and holding on to the things and doing the things that are good for us. That's where we fall down. But if you want to be a transformed person, if you want to grow in the image of, your, of God's Son, you need to get rid of the things that are pulling you away from God and you need to add in more things that are pulling you toward Him. You need to empty out the trash in your mind and fill it with godly things. It's a really simple formula. I want you to just take a moment now, talk to the person next to you about some of those things that are that stir your affections for Jesus and some of the things that rob your affections for Jesus. Just for a minute, list some things with the person next to you and then I'll get you to feed back up to me up here. Why don't we start on a positive note? What are some of the things that stir your affections for Jesus? You, personally, in your life. Conrad? Yeah, being involved with Christian camps. Cool. Camp Kedron in particular. Conrad became a Christian at Camp Kedron, um, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, other stuff that stirs our affection for Jesus. Zach? Singing? Yeah? Good one. Any songs in particular? No. <laughs> Dr. Dre. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Liv? Yeah, so engaging with the sermon at church or the talk at youth or whatever. Angie? Yeah, in prayer. So just like that constant kind of prayer wherever, whenever you feel like it. Go on. Zach, again? Yeah. Seeing people get baptized, seeing people share their testimonies. So stoked about Hattie sharing her testimony before. I, like, for me, that, that really spurs me on. Um, thank you, Hattie, wherever you are, over here. <laughs> I know you're not Hattie. <laughs> um, having time to be still and not always being busy. Yeah. Sabbath, I think the Bible calls it. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, that's a good one. What about something from this side of the room? 
Maybe you guys will be better at listing things that rob your affections for Jesus. <laughs> Anyone else want to contribute things that stir their affections for Jesus? Kate? Talking to new Christians? Yeah. Sandra? Youth group. Awesome. Sam? Yeah, seeing people's lives actually transformed, 100%. Alex? Yeah, yeah. So paying, paying attention to what's going on outside of Narrabeen, Sydney, Australia. Yeah. Cool. Maddie? Yeah, good one. Kids Arvo, she said, if you didn't hear her. What about some of the things that rob our affections for Jesus? We may be less keen to admit what some of these things are. Yeah. Worry? Yeah. Worry. Angie? (laughs) Okay. Ask no more. (laughs) No. Yeah. Yep. It's good. Sorry, Luke, did you put your hand up before? No. Okay, it's all right. Somebody over here put their hand up. Yeah, Zach? Being disrespectful? Yeah. Conrad? Hatred and revenge. Hatred and revenge? Holding on to that stuff? Yeah. Liv? Something more trivial, like movies and TV shows. Mm. Yeah, movies and TV shows. Joel? It's Instagram. It's Instagram. <laughs> wow. Did you think of that yourself? That's brilliant. Yeah. It's Instagram. Well, like I said, the, the formula is pretty simple. Do more of the things that grow your affections for Jesus. Do less of the things that rob your affections for Jesus. Um, that, that, that's, that's how you renew your mind. That's how you renew your mind. So how can we see our lives transformed? Firstly, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. View him. View God's mercies for you. Secondly, do not conform to the patterns of the world. See, Look for the ways that the world is trying to shape you and don't conform to them. But instead of that, conform to the image of his son. And finally, renew your minds. Press the empty trash button. Get rid of the stuff that's not meant to be there. And fill it with the things that are meant to be there. The whole of the Christian life is, is pursuing God. And sometimes it feels like it's two steps forward and one step back. Other times it feels like it's two steps back and one step forward. But we constantly pursue God. Jesus, God had promised us that he who began a good work in us will carry it out to completion. What we have ahead of us is glory, where there'll be no more sin and no more shame, no more crying or tears or pain. And that is something that Jesus has achieved for us through his cross. So we hold on to that knowing that one day that will be ours. Let me pray and then we will sing. God, thank you for your mercies to us. Thank you that you don't ask us to 
achieve and to do and to work to earn your forgiveness, but you have freely given it to us in your son, Jesus. Lord, we want to live transformed lives because of that, in view of that. Help us to cling to the things that will grow our affections for you and help us to run from the things that will rob it. And we pray these things in the name of your precious son. Amen.